we're going to read from 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. And 1 John chapter 2, when we read it, we're not going to read the whole thing. Uh, I'll just go to parts of it. This is really indicative of some of the things we've been saying and very indicative of what's going on in our own personal lives and what's going on in the world and in our country. And 1 John chapters 1 and 2 specifically, they go right into it in in an incredible way. We've talked about this before in 2 Peter 1. I'm just going to read 2 Peter 1, 19 to 21, and then we'll just go right into, uh, we'll just touch on 1 John chapter 1, and then right into 1 John chapter 2. Here is uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 19 to 21. We have also a more sure word of prophecy. The we, of course, is us and all of us that are in Christ. Wherefore you, and that's individually, each one of us, do well. When do we do well? When we take heed, right? Okay, and taking heed, again, when we take heed, it simply means that it doesn't have anything to do with our emotions, Okay, so we may have good emotions or bad emotions. Remember, if we have good emotions, we have good thoughts. We have God's thought. For a believer in Christ, to think properly means to have a good thought. That good thought is Christ himself. If I have a good thought, good thoughts, then what will I have? I will have good emotions. Now, if I don't have good emotions, why is that? Because I have bad thoughts. I'm thinking outside God's full thought of who I am. And that's why we even teach, again, even, even our best emotions, okay, they, they, we are not to go by them. Of course, not the bad ones, but not even the good ones, because how quickly can they change? Quickly. <laughs> so we have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed. We need to take heed. As unto a what? A light. This is a key word. We're going to see this in 1 John chapter 1 and 1 John chapter 2. As a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. That's a continual growth in a continual process. We're going to talk a little bit about light this morning. And when we talk about light, there's so many different scriptures, but in Psalm 36, verse 9, it says this, With you, O God, is the fountain of life. What's that mean? We don't drink in a pond. (laughs) Okay, it has no source of escape, a pond. It can't go. Like all the rivers, they run into the sea. You'll see that in Ecclesiastes. We don't drink from a pond. We don't drink from our flesh. We don't. And furthermore, we don't treat each other after that. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 16, we to know no man after the flesh. Where that's Again, where that's going to be tried the most is guess where? In marriage. <laughs> that's where it's going to be tried the very most, right? We're not to know anyone after the flesh. And, uh, of course, I won't know anyone after the flesh as a believer when I don't function in mine. 
<laughs> right? And we see that all old things have passed away. Old things aren't passed away. They're not in the process of passing away. We're learning in a process that they've already passed away. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, old things have passed away. Behold, what are we to do? Behold, what's that mean? Take heed. Behold. All things are what? New, where? In him. And where are we located? In him. So we have a more sure word of prophecy. Prophecy, we're seeing that. We're going to see two things that are going to be going on. And we said it again, in our own personal lives. Okay? About who we are in Christ. And then prophecy just being fulfilled. And we're seeing it. And we see both. Live and in living color. <laughs> right? As uh, we, we do well to take heed. We will always do well when we submit to him. Not based upon our feelings or our emotions, but even in our weakest moments. When we go by our emotions, we fall back on nothing. Right? And faith has nothing to do with motion, emotions, by the way. Everything that Christ accomplished about you and I had nothing to do with our emotions. <laughs> had everything to do with the reality and the fact and the truth of who he is. That's exactly what it has to do with, right? So we have that. And then what, where does the light shine right now? In a dark place. Where's the dark place for the believer? It's in the flesh. That's Romans 8, 9. Now we're going to see this. We have the flesh in us, but are we of it? Are we? Nope. Can we function in it? When we do, what is it? It's a dark place. There's no light. Listen, there's no proper image. There's no proper image. There's no, there's no truth to identify ourselves with experientially. Now, our position doesn't change, but the experience does. Listen, as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawn the day and the day star arise in your heart. That's constantly, that's our constant reality and our constant process of growing in grace and in knowledge in 2 Peter 3, verse 18. Verse 20, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. So when would a believer privately interpret anything about the Bible? They would do it in a dark place, without knowledge. It's sad to say, again, and but thank God we can learn, most Christians do not even understand prophecy, so how can they even know where they are in time on the earth? We know who we are in Christ, but can we know it adequately if we don't know prophecy? We don't know this prophetic calendar. Well, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. What will we do when we look at each other in the flesh or treat each other after our failures or our sins? What are we doing? We are privately interpreting Christ in the individual. Is that wrong? Is that sin? That's right. For the prophecy came not in old time by what? It says the will of man. So what do we privately interpret? 
a dark place. What's the dark place? What is it? It's my will not submitted to Christ. Listen, no matter how someone treats me, I can still function in Christ because my will can still be submitted to, to him. Right? Then we don't know each other after the flesh. Or in other words, treat each other after it. We, knowing means you don't treat each other after your flesh. Can you imagine if God did that? He doesn't. Imagine if he treated us after our sins. He doesn't. In Romans 7, 17, and 20, it's no, no longer I that do it, but sin from the sin nature, and it's not who I am. That sin that dwells in me. Not sins, but sin. I have this nature in me, but I'm not of it. So should I treat someone in a dark place when they're in a dark place, in it, in this dark place, should I? Wow. You know, thank God for forgiveness, huh? When I confess my sin, do I, does God, when I do it with all my heart, first John 1, 9, does God instantly forgive me? He doesn't put me on probation. He doesn't hold on to things about us. He doesn't. Can you imagine if he did? What a dark place we would be in. But we have the light of Christ in us. So the prophecy to finish up in 2 Peter 1, verse 21, the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, but holy men of God. Who are holy men of God? They are in their position, but they were submitted. Their wills were submitted, and they were functioning in the pure, holy character of who Christ was in them and who they were in Christ. Holy men of God spoke as they were moved by who? The Holy Spirit. And is the Holy Spirit God? Uh-huh. Should we speak in a dark place? We should not speak in a dark place because is that how God, the Holy Spirit, would cause us to move our lips? <laughs> because these right here reveal the content of right here, what's inside here, right? Okay? Now there's two things we need to see, and we'll see them. Here's First John chapter 1. That which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. He's the word of life. Who is he? The word of life man, who is that? That's Christ. Now, in that sense, these apostles, to actually record the scriptures, they had to have face-to-face, eye-to-eye contact with Christ. They did while they were on the earth, those first 11 Paul did, had contact with the heavenly Christ. That's why all our positional truth, our identification truths, how we should treat each other based upon that reality is heavenly, which means what? Is Christ above everything? Are we? Okay. Are we above our bad moods? Are we above emotions? Are we above treating each other after the flesh? Are we in our position? What's our experience? Okay, watch. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon in our hands of handle of the word of life. Now, they did that literally. But you know, you and I do that too. We have that same privilege because we can see when we submit, take heed to the word, right? That light shines that's in our position in Christ above, 
That's our position. Christ seated at the right hand. When I submit and take heed to him, the light of who he is comes in. And what happens to the darkness when the light goes on? Instantly. You know, we can make instant adjustments right away. Doesn't care. I don't care what our time was. Last night, this morning, on our way over here, makes no difference. Makes absolutely no difference. Instant, instant rebound. Instantly. So awesome. What a provision we have to continue in love and receive Christ's love for us individual and then to love each other. That was his command in John 13, 34, and 35, is to love one another. And he commands us to because he gave us everything. He gave us himself to accomplish it. And he's accomplished it in each individual. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, we have heard, and which we have seen with our eyes, receive that light from the word. And our hands have handled of the word of life. We're handling, this is, this is not a dead book. This is a living organism the very word of God. We can handle it. We need to be careful, all of us, how we do it. For the life was manifested and, and we've seen it and bear witness. We have a testimony. Where, and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father, which was and is and always was. <laughs> That's how we understand that verse. And was manifested, revealed and manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard Declare we unto you, oh boy, that which I've seen in my own personal life through the light of the scriptures as I take heed and submit my will to him, okay, in that place and in that process, that which we have seen and heard is what I'm going to declare unto you. Is it the darkness of the flesh? That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that what? That you also may have fellowship with us. What is fellowship based on? True fellowship. It's based on Christ. So for two to have it, what's it based on? Oneness. Oneness. Again, if you want to get into marriage, you have to get into the fifth chapter of Ephesians. And again, no man ever hated his own flesh. When we don't function in love, when we don't function in instant forgiveness through rebound and confession of that that we're not, what do we have? What is, one, what is marriage even based on? Oneness. And what is the enemy always trying to do? Divide and separate through what? One, it, just ta- it just takes one individual, but the other can instantly, instantly continue in the reality of who they are in Christ. So that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you. But if I haven't seen it and I haven't heard it, is it declared to me? And can I to you then? No. That you may also have fellowship with us. And truth, truly, our fellowship is with the Father. Is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that what? Your joy may be full. And His presence is what in Psalm 1611? The fullness of joy and at his right hand, who's sitting at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. In other words, God is very pleased and satisfied with who his son has made us to be in him in our position. There ain't a question about it. What's our experience? There's two dangers, and we're going to see them very, very quickly here. There's two dangers for the Christian. 
Verse 5, this is then, this then is the message which we have heard of him. And hearing simply means not just hearing, but what? Submitting to, submitting under, right? Are we above anybody in a position? Anybody else? Are we above each other? Are we above each other in the fact that we won't forgive one another and just hold each other at bay, <laughs> keep each other on probation? For time. <laughs> Imagine again if we were treated like that by God. This then is the message that we have heard and declare unto you. Right? That God is what? Light. God is light and in him is what? No darkness at all. None. Now, if we say we have fellowship with him, this is key, guys, for all of us, every single one of us. If we say we have fellowship with him, and oh boy, what's that become today? If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, what? We lie. It's a lie. It's not true. We're not walking in the reality of who we are. When we don't forgive each other, what are we walking in? A lie. Is there no forgiveness for us? I don't know. Is Christ in us? Has he forgiven every one of our sins? Are we going to hold one another on probation? Based upon our bad emotions? Because we have bad thoughts. How does that work? It's darkness. You can flip the switch. That's the will submitted. <laughs> yes. We lie and what? Do, do not the truth. In other words, we don't, we're not experiencing the truth, a proper image. Thus, we lower Christ in his glory in our experience. Of course, you can't touch it in our position. That's done and over with. God is completely satisfied with what his, Christ, with what his son, Jesus Christ, has accomplished on our behalf and completely satisfied with us in him. Are we satisfied with each other? And what will it take us to not be satisfied with each other? Walking in darkness, in a lie, and not having truth. Now, verse 7, and this is key, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have what? Fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, that's nature, by the way. If we say that we don't have any longer a sin nature, wouldn't that be something if the exchange life crowd who teach you no longer have the flesh, that, that nature that can be exposed that in us that we're not of. If they could only read this for us, just if, even in the original, I mean, just a little bit. If we say we have no sin, that's nature, what do we do? We deceive ourselves. Where do we get the sin nature from? Who deceives in Revelations 12, 9, the whole world? Are they in darkness? Is that what we should walk in? and call it fellowship? Because if we walk in darkness, who are we walking under? Mm -hmm. If we say, right, if we say that we have no sin, who do we deceive? Ourselves. And the truth is not in us. Is that position or experience? That's experience. Again, 1 John 1, 7 is not talking about conduct. I can't tell you how many times and how many so-called Greek 
scholars and theologians, and I got them up there too, will tell you that, that it's teaching conduct when it absolutely is not teaching that. It's teaching our character in Christ. Are we going to treat someone in darkness when they are in the character of who Christ is? Remember what it says in John 8, 12? Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I don't know, in this world system right now, in the absence of his presence, is it dark? Mm -hmm. But you know what he said? I am the light of the world. He, this is choice, this is submission of will. He, that, that what? Right? I am the light of the world. He that what? Follows after me what? will not walk in darkness, but will have what? The light. And what does the light reveal? The life. True identity. How we should actually treat one another and do it instantly. Right? Verse 9. If we confess our sins, where does that start? with the individual with God, doesn't it? That's right. If we confess our sins, what are we doing? Are we asking for, are we praying for forgiveness here? No. We're confessing the fact that he dealt with it. It's not who we are and we are forgiven. That's Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. We can forgive. Why? Well, because we're forgiven. God's not holding a single Christian on probation. Did you know that? And making them pay for something that they did because it's already dealt with, right? For all of us. If we confess our sins, what do we experience? His faithfulness and his justice to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us, what? From all unrighteousness. Then it says, if we say we haven't sinned, that's even worse. <laughs> That we haven't sinned, we make him what? A liar and the truth is not in us. Here's where we're going to get the first John chapter 2. He says, my little children. Okay, listen. My little children. Okay, whose children are we? God's. So we're free to act and treat people just the way we want, right? Way the way that we think they deserve based upon what they did or what they didn't do. Is that correct? No. No. My little children, that is, okay, and what it says here, my little children, watch what, the, watch what the scriptures are, okay? And I'll read them to you, and we could quote them, but God is leading me to read them right now. My little children, whose children are we? Okay, this is Romans chapter 8 and verse 15. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, because what is, where does fear reside and bondage abide? Where, where is it? It's in darkness. That's where it is. Right? But, separation, you have received the spirit of adoption whereby you cry what? Abba, Father, Daddy, Daddy. Okay? Whose children are we? Jesus told Mary at the tomb, where she was looking for a dead Christ, there he was living and she didn't, she missed him. But he said, now, go tell my disciples that I'm going to your father, I'm going to my father and my God in a way that only he could being 
the Son of God, but in his humanity, he, he would say to us as one with us, in his humanity, I'm going unto your Father and your God. Now, when he was going there, was he bringing any of our sins? No, he rose from the dead. That's what we need to do. Rise from the dead, the old. See? For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of what? Adoption. Whereby we cry, Daddy. Father, Daddy, Daddy. The spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are what? The children of God. And if children, and we are then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Okay? Then again, we go to Galatians, the fourth chapter. And we're going to see it again. Galatians chapter 4, verse 6, it says, And because you are sons, and sons, do they have a father? And are they children? And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying what? Again, Abba, Father. Wherefore, you are no more a slave. A slave to what? Sin. A slave to your own will. A slave functioning in darkness. You're no longer that. That's not who you are. So why would we treat each other that way? <laughs> right? Why do that? But a son... And if a son, an heir of God through Christ. How be it then when you knew not God? Remember, we read 1 John chapter 1, 1, 2, 3. We've heard, we've seen him. Come on. How be it then when you knew not God? When did we not know him properly in our experience? And if I'm not taught my positional truths and understand who I am in my position, then I don't have a proper experience, Right? Howbeit then when you knew not God, you did service unto them which by nature are no gods. You know when we function in, in darkness, you know what we function as? We replace God. <laughs> long time ago, long time ago, long time ago, God told me, Ed, you cannot be me, but you can have as much of me as you want. We become little gods. And when we function as gods outside of the reality of who we are in a proper image and identity and treat each other that way, what are we doing? We're acting as gods, but gods of the flesh. And you know what we do in the flesh? We judge and pass sentence and put people on probation if we can't outright kill them. Kill any experience of the love of God being in them. I don't know, John 10, 10, 8, the thief comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. Why? And a Christian experientially through will not submitted. Right? But, okay, which by nature are no gods, <laughs> they're fleshly gods that we make of ourselves, but now, after that you have known God, are rather of known of God. That's so awesome to know. Most important thing about us is to know that God knows us. <laughs> he knows us. How turn you again to the weak and beggarly elements? Why those rudiments, those elements, those, those terrible things? To the weak and beggarly rudiments, elements, wherefore, whereunto you desire again to be in bondage. <laughs> 
Why would you do that as a child of God? See? Two things we need to be very, very aware of, okay? We talked about them in 2 Peter 1, 19 to 21. Prophecy, what's going on? And just as dangerous for the Christian, what can go on and be potential in the flesh. They're both extremely dangerous. And both are extremely evil. Mm, They are. Truly they are. Now, because when I, I read, and I'll read 1 John 2, uh, 1 and 2, with, with 1 John 1, 7, because 1 John chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 actually belong in 1 John 1. Because by the time you get to the third verse here, it goes into another whole subject. It's not apart from who we are in Christ. But if I walk in the light as he is in the light, I have fellowship with him and I experience the constant cleansing of the blood. That, that happened once. We need to be continually cleansed. That happened once, okay? You can't reduplicate being regenerated in Titus 3.5. But boy, do we need cleansing and constantly, and you know what? We can have it immediately when we submit our wills, right? So that belongs to that. So my little children see that you sin not. Well, what it's saying is you don't have to. Why? Because you're in the light. Your true character is Christ. That's your character. And in the character of who I am in Christ, do I sin? No. Why are they called sins of the flesh? (laughs) That's because that's where they reside. You can look at that in Colossians, the third chapter, start at verse 5. You can see that in Galatians chapter 5, 19 to 21. You can see it in Romans 8, verse 13. You need to mortify the deeds of the flesh. Render them useless. Because if they're not, if they become useful, they're deadly. They're deadly. They will kill Christ in another's experience. Don't think that he, again, won't go after those that we're around the most and most intimate with. There's no question about it. That's called pinpointing. Now, here it is. Well, what do we see here? We see this, okay? We have the truth that's in us, in our character, and who we are in Christ. And how important is that? How important is to know that our true character is Christ? We're not our sin. We're not our failure. We're not our worst day. We're not our bad emotions. We're not our bad thoughts. <laughs> is that important? When do I experience it in my own life when I submit to him immediately? Because if I don't have a yoke, a submitted will, right, I'm going to walk in darkness. That's how I'm going to see myself and see another, and especially those that are closest to us. Okay? But what does it do? How important and of a deep interest is it to know 1 John 1, verse 7? For, 1 John 1 through 10, with 2, 1 and 2. My little children, see that you say no. You don't have to. But (laughs) just in case, literally, it's what the Greek is saying. It's like, oh my gosh, shocking. That's what it's literally saying. Not in in, in, in a sarcastic way at all. It's like, oh my God, this is who you are. This is how God sees you. Who you sin. (gasps) Okay, oh my God. How often do we think like the normal Christian life is sinning and repenting, sinning and repenting, sinning and confessing? We think that's the normal Christian life. It's not. 
The normal Christian life is who we are in Christ. It's unchangeable. It's immutable. It's glorious. We're beautiful in his sight. Constantly. We're beautiful in his sight. Right? How important is it then? How important is it to guard our souls? Now, do we need to guard ourselves and understand truth about prophecy? That's coming? We do. Then how important is it then to guard our souls from self-deception and error? What's error? Well, I know I should be treating you this way, but I won't. Is that error? Huh? What's an error based on? A lie. Okay. And remember in John 8, 44, the lie, the lie is, is, was what Satan was functioning in. And as a lie, he's a what? Murderer. <laughs> no, that wouldn't be in the flesh. You want to make a bet? Oh, it is. It's very serious. To keep from self-deception and error. So what happens then? We have plenty of the word, like God's doing with all of us, each one of us this morning, for searching our souls into the word and that can give us the word we can submit and begin to meditate on that and not meditate on past failures. You know, I can, I can confess something and instantly, instantly, the sight, it's past, instantly gone, gone, gone. And I don't go by, when I confess it, I don't go by those feelings that might not have yet caught up to the position. <laughs> we need to know that. But the beauty that we have and that we need to know is this gorgeous, magnificent outflow of the love of God the Father that was poured out through His incarnate Son fl- flows only through divine grace. Who should we give grace to? Okay, who did God give grace to? The undeserving. Read Romans, the fifth chapter. Start at verse 6 and go through 10. Who did he give grace to? Read those three, especially uh, chapter 5 of Romans, verses 6, 8, and 10. Read it. Pretty amazing. The outflow of that love only flows through grace. If I'm not functioning in grace, I'm not functioning in a submitted will, the love stops flowing. Now we start treating after each other after what? Our flesh, our sins, our failures, our bad emotions, and we become what? Little gods, and what do we do as little gods in the flesh? What do we do? We judge and pass sentence. What's God looking at? Whew. Listen. We need to know this because the energy, and we've said this maybe a couple of years ago, the energy of God's nature is love. Listen to that. The energy of God's nature is love. Why do we not have energy to, to go forward at times? Because the supply of his love has been cut off. <laughs> Experientially, never positionally. Right? The energy of his nature is love. Listen, the purity of his nature is what? Light. Did you hear that? Walk in the light as he is in the light. 1 John 1, 7. Walk in the light as he is in the light. Right? Because why? What is, it, what is it about light? Light is this. It is the element which refuses corruption. Nothing more than, more than light ever refuses corruption as much as light does. That's right. 
Why does God not treat us after the flesh? He sees us in the light of who we are, who we are in his son. There's no corruption there. How about the experience? He'll deal with us. Okay? You're dealing, you're dealing with child training and discipline with your child. Are they not your child when you love them and discipline them? I mean, is there any love without discipline and training? No, it's a fact. See? Read Hebrews, the 12th chapter. It's only 29 verses there. Especially 4 to 12 and 13. The energy of his, his nature is love. The purity of his nature is, is light. Right? No question about it. These truths were written for our instruction. Are, they are instructing us who we are in Christ. Okay, that's what they're doing. Now, when these were given, when these truths were given to John, the beloved apostle, when these truths were given, listen to what the context is and why I said the, two, the, the number one most dangerous thing for the Christian is not the evil world system. It's the flesh. There is no question about it because it's just as evil. And just as dangerous. My, the flesh that's in me that I'm not of, but in. Yes. Right? Now, when that was written, look what, look what, when it was. By the way, this is early, very, very, very early first century. What century are we in right now? Now, 21st century. This is early first century, what I'm reading. Okay? Now, watch. We're dealing with the flesh, didn't we? Did we deal with it? And the truth is God, in other words, is God dealing it, dealing with this truth to us in, in, in 1 John and in 2 John? Yes. But you know what he does? He goes right into this. Verse 15, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Listen to that. Love not the world, neither the things that are in, that are in the world. Are some things that are in this world not bad? No. And can we use them rightly? Yes. The only way that happens is with well submitted. Otherwise, I'll use those things to replace them and do, are they bad at that point? Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, listen, the love of the Father is not in him. Is that position or experience? That's experience. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh. Notice how it said that, the flesh? The lust of the flesh. 1 John 2.16 the lust of the flesh. Hold that thought. Listen to this verse. Okay, How many fathers do we have? Truly, in our position. How many? How many can we have in our experience? Two. Listen. This is John 8, verse 44. Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees. The religious crowd of the day. You are of your father the devil. The lust of your father you will do. What, can we function as Christians in the lust of the flesh? Read Romans the 8th chapter. Look at verse 4 to, all the way to verse 8. When I function in, flat, in the flesh and I function in lust, who was the first one that did that? Where did our sin nature come from? That now it manifests itself through the flesh in Genesis 3, 1 to 6. Where does that come from? Here it is. You are of your father the devil, the lust of your father you will do, for he was a murderer. 
Sure, listen, I'll give you all the lust of your flesh that I can. Because I'm going to give you everything you think you need in the flesh. And I know what it is, too, by the way. If you think you and I know our flesh, you know somebody who knows it way better than we do. He's much more subtle. Ephesians 6, 11, the wiles of the devil coming against us. What's that mean? His wiles is his method. Does he have power over us? Does he? No. His power is what? If you want to call it, that lies. Watch. You will do, okay, the lusts of your father you will do. He was a murderer. Here, I'll give you anything you flesh to, here, here, take it. Because I want to condemn you when you fail, because I know what those things are going to do, and then because I want to murder you. Now, he can't do that positionally, but can he murder our experience? John 10, 10a. Absolutely. No question about it. So, when I function in a lack of forgiveness, where's that coming from? Pretty serious business here. How dangerous is the flesh? Oh, we can just take it, right? And leave it, right? Little areas. We speed bump them. Forget about them. Yeah, and that thing went on Christ. And he got hammered for it on Calvary. Not one sin of those sins that everyone that that chose him were put on him did he miss. Not one thing. Lack of forgiveness is it sin. Okay. It went on him who forgave us. Wow, how should we treat each other? Gosh almighty. He was a murderer from, be- from the beginning and abode not in the truth. We have a choice to abide in the truth of our position in Christ. Do we have another choice, though, if we don't? Abode not in the truth, right? In him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of what? His own. Did did I say we could have two fathers in our experience? Did I? One's a liar, but can I? (laughs) Uh, Let me see. Hmm. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his what? Own. He wants to own the experience. I'm telling you, he goes after the experience. He wants to own you for a time. Make you feel miserable and make the one that you're with closest to and then from there, miserable. Based upon a what? A lie, and what's in a lie? Is murder involved? Character assassination? Listen, character assassination. To assassinate the character. And when, when you assassinate someone and they die, what did you do? You murdered them. Treat each another in a lie against true character. That's 1 John 1, 7. Right? When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is, a, he is a liar and the father of it. Notice that? So, can I function in my experience under the lying father? Can I? Well, do you, do you ever function in lust of the flesh? Do you ever do that? Is it based on a lie? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And will, and will Christ or the Holy Spirit be in, be in competition? 
is is the Holy Spirit in competition with the flesh? Oh, is there anything in me that's that is in competition with Christ? Oh God, competing with Him? Oh God. Ooh. Okay, we're going to wrap it up here. Shortly, it was written for us. Okay, when he wrote this, when this was written through the Holy Spirit, using the beloved apostle as his pen. The church outwardly, not inwardly, we can't be a wreck inwardly in Christ, that position, but outwardly it was a wreck. You know why? Because look what it says. Now we need to be, we talk about the danger of the flesh, all right? How about this one? And we're going to finish it here. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, what if, what if my eyes aren't on my proper position? What will my experience be? <laughs> The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes based on the pride of life, not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away. It's on a collision course with eternity. Thank God. And the lust thereof. But he that does the will of God abides forever. Verse 18. Little children. See, we're his children, aren't we? Are we our own? 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Read them. If need be, weep. But we'll weep tears of sorrow, but with joy in 2 Corinthians 7 and verse 10. Little children, it is the last time. Now listen, when was this written? Early first, early first century. Just begun. What century are we in? 21st. How close are we? Watch. Little children, it is the last time. And as you have heard, that Antichrist will come. And now, early first century, there are many Antichrists. How many do you think there are now? And it's not political. How many do you think there are right now? I believe, based on the scriptures, Matthew 7, 13 and 14, and Matthew 7, 22 and 23, and the parable of the seeds in Luke the 8th chapter, there are far more antichrists in this world than there are believers in Christ right now. We're seeing them live and in color in our country. 21st century. Gosh, Look. Even now there are many antichrists, whereby, because of this, we know that it is what? The last time. Is there any time to waste? Seriously? Is there any time for our own plans? Is there any time for us treating each other outside of Christ? Is there any time for that? Based on this? The antichrist. Now, that is saying this. The, The antichrist has not come yet. Listen to this. This is prophecy. The Antichrist hasn't come yet. The Antichrist has not come yet because we're not, this is not yet 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1, Paul speaking to the church in Thessaloniki, proper way to pronounce it, by the way. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, And by our gathering together unto him. What are we doing right now? We gathering together, God forbid, unto me. 
I'm gathering with you around who? Christ. Matthew 18, 20, where two or more, two or three are gathered together in his name. His nature is everything. There he is he in the midst. You'll see that in the seven gold candlesticks. You see that in Revelation, the first chapter. You can get an idea of what those things are saying. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that you soon, that you be not soon shaken in mind. Remember how I said Christians? People are shaken because, because a certain president didn't get in. They're shaken. Now, I could be in the flesh in an instant. And that's, and at times it was my temptation. <laughs> Soon be not shaken in mind or be troubled. Wow. Neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by any letter as from us, is that the day of Christ is at hand. That's his second coming. That's the advent, which does not have to do with the rapture. Let no man deceive you by any means. What? What's that? Are you shaken? Are you shaken and are you troubled? Christian, are you? Then some man deceived you. Was it yourself or someone else? No. For that day will not come, future, except there come a falling away first that the man of sin should be revealed the son of perdition. When it talks about the apostasy, everything about Christianity will be finally denied. That's the apostasy. They completely turn away from him. Any turning policies now? That's why we say it's not political. It is spiritual. We are so close to the rapture and his coming. Is there any time... God, to treat each other after the flesh, dangerous, evil, wicked, any more than to submit to this, these antichrists, and they're a bunch of them. What do they look like? They can look like the most beautiful person you ever saw in your life, and we've seen them. Men, women, no matter. In different walks of life, in different positions. Hmm. Look. A falling away first, that the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. There's going to be a literal antichrist, right? Who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God. Now, we wouldn't do that in the flesh, would we? Flesh is dangerous. Just as much as dangerous as this guy. He comes, and he's really revealed in the seven-year tribulation. As a good guy, the first three and a half. Second three and a half? <laughs> You want to talk about all hell breaking loose. I'm talking about flesh and prophecy and who we are truly in Christ. We're in Christ. Remember, we started with that. Right? That he, as, look, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped. I don't know, certain things, policies, and certain people want worship, even being on certain places. No, get rid of it. Some call that conservative, conservativism. <laughs> no, it's a spiritual issue. I don't consider myself a conservative. I consider myself, by the grace of Almighty God, a man in Christ with absolutes and convictions. 
based upon the foundation that Christ is. Okay. And even when I fail, I fail on that foundation. So do you. We don't fall off. Okay. Who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he, as God, sits in the temple of God, showing him himself that he is God. Can I be a little God in the flesh? I'm going to pass judgment. And anyone who doesn't line up to us, we're going to deprogram them. Have you heard that lately? Political? No. I'm serious. Spiritual. The things that are coming down the pipe in our country, guys, that are implemented, <laughs> they've been in preparation for a long time. Early first century. Remember you not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things. I told you these things. How dangerous it is. That apostasy is not going to happen. That won't happen, okay? We'll be out by then, by the way. The rapture. That's why it's necessary to understand the scriptures. It's very important to understand who we are in Christ, first and foremost, period. That is, and I've said this and God has to repeat it to all of us. That's the, the epistle of Ephesians. Once you're born again, the gospel of John, yes, especially the third chapter and then on. And then there's Romans too, okay? But nothing brings out the truth about who we are in any other place like it does in the epistle of Ephesians. It's foundational, positional, truth. Proper identity, proper image, okay? That won't happen. But I am telling you, and I'm going to wrap it up because I'm going a little bit long today. The apostasy or the falling away, that means Christian, that, and no such thing, I don't want it anymore. That's why it's not political in our country. That's why it's so very careful about treating each other, not after the flesh, in the world. Huh. I don't know. Let me ask you this. And God would ask me this. He asked me this. Hey, Ed, is your flesh antichrist? Is it? Where did it come from? It is. You think he wants forgiveness being between believers? You think he wants that? Things dealt with? Transparent? Walking in the light? Mm -mm. Murder him. Murder the person. Put him on probation. Murder him. Okay, the apostasy means the, the abandonment of Christianity completely and altogether. And this will surely come. We won't be there. Thank you, Lord. As many as some teach the wrong way. But one of the evil factors, listen to this, in bringing it to pass is what is strangely called the higher criticism. It's not a policy, but you hear it in those policies in our country. It's a higher criticism. Yeah, where's it coming from? And all those that don't line up, literally, we're gonna, we need to deprogram those people. That's political? Did you see my eyes? That's political? No, it's not. <laughs> That's not political. Higher criticism. Where, what do we mean by higher criti criticism? You, you would see that. You see that when these guys 
these things were written. You see that in, in the mid to the latter 18th century into the 19th century. And what's in, where are we in the 20s? Uh, 21 right now. Higher criticism. Involves everybody. We accept everybody. Let's just do away with God. Any image of him will have transgenders. And, and No, there's no males and females. And what do you think all this is preparatory to? And what teaches us about the reality of this? Right? Higher criticism. What is that? For us as believers, and I have to stop, which I don't want to, but I will. Higher criticism is 2 Corinthians 10, 4. The weapons of our warfare are what? Not carnal, fleshly. Making the flesh a weapon. Yeah, I have, I, I operate in my flesh. I take it and use it as a weapon. What am I going to do? I'm going to hurt somebody, right? And if they hurt me, then what? And I'm in the flesh. I'm not going to forgive them. I'm going to keep them on probation for a while. <laughs> Sorry. It's just because of, you know, a little discernment. Okay. Listen. Higher criticism. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Listen. Casting down imaginations and every high thing. Hoopsama. High thing. Higher criticism. We have a higher criticism. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, not only exalts itself, but wants to get rid of it. That's where we are right now in our country. Are we left without provision? No, we're in Christ. We're in Him. Amen? Amen. Thank God for that. I'm thankful with you. So, Father, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.